Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The games of the 32nd Olympiad in 2020 are awarded to the city of Tokyo. Japan, Canada, Great Britain, Chile. And whites! Brilliant! China, Brazil, Zambia, the Netherlands. What a goal from Jim Sweden, USA, Australia, New Zealand. And Sweden are taking Team USA apart here in Tokyo. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule Olympics edition. It's been another goal fest in Tokyo. 59 goals scored across 12 games, two hat-tricks and six penalties in one day today. And we're going to try and cover it all. Coming up, Team GB seal their place in the Olympic quarterfinals with a hard-fought win over host Japan. USA find their feet and put six past the Kiwis. And Brazil and the Netherlands draw three all in a bruising encounter. Today we're doing things a little bit differently though because we've shut down our Zoom screens and we're actually doing this in person, in real life. Alongside me, Kate Borsay, I've got the very real 3D, 4D version of Lindsay Hooper and Crystal Palace goalkeeper Chloe Morgan. Hi, Lindsay. Hello. And hi, Chloe. Hiya. Really nice to see you. When you're starved of people, it's always exciting. Oh, don't talk about starved. Well, Lindsay's very hungry, by the way, everyone. Uh, we've been watching the game today at Peckham Levels in South East London. We've been uh, treated to a touch of the big game experience. Chloe, how have you found it today? Yeah, it's been a really exciting atmosphere. It's been quite nice, like you said, just to be able to see people and just enjoy the experience of watching a game together. So, yeah, it's been lovely. Apart from the hunger, Lindsay. Yes, I know. And then that wasn't helped when Chloe did a Q&A afterwards. And one of the first questions was about who would you have round for come dine with me? And I was like, come on, <laughs> let's stop talking about food, people. Back to the games. Uh, another day where we're trying to balance watching six games with just half an hour overlap in sets of three means we're on different live streams. We're relying heavily on Wi-Fi and trying to keep track of the goals. Chloe, how's your head? Um, a little bit all over the place, to be honest. <laughs> Does anyone else feel like a melting mash inside? Yeah, we had the uh, the multiple screens going on. Um, yeah, so much excitement, so many goals were happening today. I didn't know which, uh, which screen to look at, to be honest. Well, we'll just take it game by game, I think, is the best way to handle this. Uh, Lindsay, are you feeling scrambled enough? Yeah, be gentle with us. Um, there were so many things that happened as well. It wasn't just the amount of goals. There were penalties. There were bookings. There were teams that already have now gone through to the quarterfinals. There's just a lot of talking points. So should we just try and go through it? Well, I'm going to ask bit. you first of all, before we get stuck into each game, so we can keep this nice and ordered and organised, um, your Which standout you like. game. Yes, I very much do need and like this. Um, what's your standout game of the day today? Oh, it's so hard. Um, I think Brazil-Netherlands actually is the standout one for me. Six goals in that game. And because I think they are at a similar level and it was interesting by getting a point, they are through to the quarterfinals. So both of them 
were jubilant really after that result yet there wasn't a winner so I'm going to go with that one I think I've got to agree um I mean obviously there's a lot of emotional investment in the team GB game but I think um the Brazil Netherlands game there just seemed to be drama after drama after drama there was just so much going on to kind of talk about and get involved with so yeah I think I've got to agree with that one yeah so interestingly team GB didn't pick up either of your game of the day and it was pretty steady pretty sure perhaps maybe not very inspiring but a win nonetheless let's crack into that game then she's Kim Little Cross was dangerous in from Lucy Burns and GB ahead and then White claims a goal a terrible mix up at the back for Japan they have the breakthrough the deadlock is broken Yamashita came she tried to claim she got nowhere so Ellen White with the only goal of the game, a bright first 20 minutes for Team GB. And then you got a bit frustrated, didn't you, Chloe? I was sitting opposite you and you sort of looked a bit, not exasperated, but just a bit like you were waiting for something to happen. I think we all were. I think there was, um, you know, with the way they started, it just felt really strong. It felt very confident. You know, they'd just come off the back of the win as well. And and obviously they appreciated that, you know, winning this game was going to take them through to the knockout stages. So I thought there'd sort of be more firepower, but I think I was just expecting more because I think I always am. Um, and the first 20 minutes, I thought they started really, really well, really strong. Um, and then it seemed to tail off a little bit and sort of, I think Japan grew into the game quite a bit and, and it sort of started to look quite um, evenly matched. Um, yeah. Note to self, Chloe Morgan has high expectations just all round. Uh, Lindsay? At one point, it felt like it was heading for a nil-nil, didn't it? And there were a couple of observations that I made quite early on. I thought that they singled out Kim Little, actually, as as one of the real threats for, for Team GB. And she wasn't getting as much time on the ball. And she certainly had a number of Japanese players around her at, at different moments. So it felt like getting her into the game. And when she is on it, obviously, she, we know that she's so tidy and she's so good, isn't she, at feeding the ball through. I, I think in midfield, it's a crucial linchpin and her and Weir in the first game had proven to be a really good combination. And I did wonder about them, that midfield battle at one point. Um, but I think the over, the overarching opinion, even before the goal came from Ellen White, was that Team GB had more possession in this game than a team that loved to dominate the ball. And I thought that was a real encouraging sign. So even if it had been nil-nil and we got one point from this, I still think there were loads of things to take away that were actually at different areas of the pitch from the first match that we could think Team GB, big thumbs up. So I thought there were loads of positives. It might not have been a goal fest like some of the others, but actually the goal itself when it did come was Another beautiful ball from Lucy Bronze. She's having a great start to this tournament. And I also thought that Ellen White's desire to get to that ball first for the goal, she didn't have any right to get to that header, I didn't think. Let's talk about the changes that Hegarisa made um, if we're to go back and analyse this game because the first half and the second half were pretty different, I thought. Hegarisa, after the game, sort of praising her players quite heavily for their performance during the second half, which I know, Chloe, you and I were, you know, perhaps a little bit mystified. Perhaps she was laying it on a bit thick. But in terms of personnel, so uh, Leah Williamson, 
uh, started at centre back instead of Millie Bright. So that was a plus from you, Lindsay. And I think that that was a wise move from Hegarisa, knowing what we do about how Le Leah Williamson uh, likes to hang on to the ball and will push it forward as well. And I think that was the ideal approach against a possession team like Japan. Demi Stokes was on uh, for Rachel Daly at left back. We did see Rachel Daly, by the way, coming in uh, for a more uh, offensive role later on in the game. Sophie Ingle uh, was on for Caroline Weir. They then switched later in the game. And uh, Nikita Paris started instead of George. Stanway. What do we think of Nikita Paris, Linz? I thought she was a better option um, compared to the first game with Georgia Stanway. And that's not to take anything away from Georgia because I know that she will have better matches. I just think if I was comparing like for like performances, I really like the way that Nikita Paris was moving, tracking back. She was dropping deep to get the ball sometimes and she was creating space as a result of that. Um, whereas I thought that Stanway was quite kept quite quiet and it, maybe as well hemp shone didn't she even more in that first game because Stanway was a bit quieter um whereas I whereas I thought Nikita really added a new a new option she gives a certain physicality and a certain vocalness on the pitch that when oh, you're playing screens, a game wow. yeah and when you're playing playing a game against a team like Japan who are naturally you know it's possession football it's quite reserved it's very contained it's very ordered I think you want Nikita Paris there sort of nipping at your heels don't you yeah absolutely I think she's one of those very frustrating players so she kind of entices the play. Um, she creates situations and opportunities where she knows that she's going to get set pieces out of them. I think she, I think she got about two or three free kicks. I think out of the the Japanese um, players, obviously just from being that frustrating presence and them trying so hard to get the ball back off her. So you know, I think Hegarisa was 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 fantastic in the way that she tried to approach a, a very oppositional side with fighting fire with fire, essentially opposition versus opposition. And, and in the end, um, you know, we came out on top. I think by half time we we had a lot more of the possession. I think we were about sixty percent of the possession so um yeah again I think that'd take that away as a as a really good really good positive quick note on Fran Kirby she wasn't in the squad today she's still trying to overcome that injury issue um there was a suggestion that maybe Team GB were giving the ball away too much in the first half there was a difference wasn't there I think because Ellen White just she had no supply in that first half it was quite frustrating to watch after that initial uh 30 minutes maybe Team GB were playing too narrowly as well I don't know I think they were trying to work Japan out and that takes a little bit of time and they were they were trying a few different things now some weren't successful but if we can come back to one of those changes because I do want to have a word about Leah Williamson I thought she was fantastic and in fact if I was going to have a player of the match for this I would have given it to Leah Williamson and there were some other great performances as we know with with Ellen White on the score sheet again and Lucy Bronze performing brilliantly but I think Leah Williamson would edge it for me. And it wasn't just her defensive capabilities. It was, and I think you used this word, Chloe, when we were watching, threading, threading balls through the middle of the park. You know, the, the amount of time she had her head up and she'd just skip out two, three Japan players to get up the pitch more. And I just thought it was, it was a really, really good way of playing. And that ended up being quite successful. Hemp wasn't the outlet that she was in the first match, but were we expecting that? She wasn't that? given the space. She wasn't yeah. given the space. And that and in terms of Kim Little as well, you could argue the same. She was she was she was never going to see as much space. She was never going to see as much of the ball. And so there they kind of did need to be a tactical change there. However, two games in and two clean sheets. 
there's a comparison here, isn't there, with the England men's team, I suppose, which is a bit of a crass comparison. But, you know, again, tournaments are won if you don't concede. It's exactly that. And I think especially from a goalkeeping perspective as well, that's exactly what you want to see is no goals going past you. Because I think that that's every goalkeeper's dream, isn't it? Especially, you know, the first two games of a, of a big major tournament. And, you know, especially off the back of a pandemic and all the things that the players have been through this past year. So, um, yeah, absolutely credit to them. I think that's another positive. Kate, I've got a note for you. You said, remind me about the Hempel Olympics. Well, I think I'm going to save that for another podcast. Oh, that was okay. only <laughs> scored. So, yes, there's a great article, by the way, on The Athletic by Katie Wyatt with messages from friends and family and former teachers um, of the players involved in Team GB. Um, great one to read, by the way. And the Hemp Olympics comes into that, but I'll mention it another time. I do want to mention Japan quickly in terms of why not start with Iwabuchi? She was obviously the goal scorer, wasn't she, against Canada? Would there have been a reason behind that? We were a bit flummoxed by that one because I think she's one of their strongest players, if not the strongest player. And so why not against Team GB have her from the beginning? And Particularly that, as she knows a lot of the players. She you knows know? the players. She's probably been their intel in training this week. But I wonder whether there might be something there underlying. Maybe a slight knock. Maybe there's some sort of protection. Maybe they were thinking we're going to get the three points against Chile, so we'll target Chile. And, and maybe they were thinking that this was always going to be a tough one. Nice little funny moment. Uh, I like these moments in football games. Yamashita, who is the Japan goalie, um, with that big shove on Ellen White. Ellen White flattened a card no, for the keeper. This is a part of her game, though, <laughs> that I love. I love this from Ellen White because she can draw fouls like that. But it was and like a yellow card. Act. It was like, boom. <laughs> it was antagonistic. I think I think Ellen White started it, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, after the game, Hegarisa said, first half, we didn't look like ourselves and we didn't have the speed of play that we wanted. That's interesting about speed of play, isn't it? In the second half, we came out almost as a different team with the attitude and togetherness that's required. Um, I don't know about that. You know, attitude's an interesting word for her to choose. I don't know if it's a bit lost in translation, but that's but she's insinuating there that they were a very different side in both halves. Where I'd say surely the changes that she made created the opportunity more than the attitude. Yeah, I think they they came out into the second half. I think obviously they you know they had the break. Um, I don't think we saw a completely different um, team GB side coming out in the second half. I think they were fairly similar to the first half in that they seemed to come out with a bit more firepower for the first five or ten minutes. And then I think they settled back into a fairly similar routine to the to the first half in that they seemed to invite the press back in from Japan. I think it looked to be quite an evenly matched game at points. And I think both sides started to have their fair share of, of, of chances. So I, I don't entirely agree with those comments. <laughs> there is a chance now, isn't there, for the next game for Risa to rotate the team because guaranteed already to be in a quarterfinal space one of the players that I think maybe should be rested because when she was introduced again Caroline Weir made a real impact and I thought she needs to start in the quarterfinals so is she someone that you leave out and and give someone else a try with the view of bringing her back in for the next big big match yeah, I think she's obviously, um, you know, one of the key players for, for the Team GP squad. And I don't think that's a bad strategy for Hegarisa at all. Um, but I think when she does come into games, you know, even if she doesn't start games, she's, she's one of those players that makes a big impact. So she's kind of one of those players that maybe what you want to do is, is give her a bit of time to, to rest, not play her for the full 90 minutes, and then bring her on as one of those firepower players who you know that's going to go on and, and maybe change the game. We talked about the centre-backs a little bit. Um, you and Alicia nearly had a spa 
chat in the last podcast about Steph Horton, um, Alicia was quite defensive and you were making the point that maybe she shouldn't start every game. And on balance, yes, she's the captain. She exploded. I mean, you know, the Olympics is what brought Steph Horton to all of our attention back in 2012, right? Hers was the name that we were talking about when she was made captain. Um, but she's going to be 34 next year for the home Euros. And it's a good point, this. We we shouldn't be obsessed by playing her in every game just because she's Steph Horton. We have to think about the future. She is a fantastic leader and I wasn't trying to take anything away from that. But I do think this is a great opportunity now with this next game. If we are going to talk about rotation, isn't it Isn't it a chance to rest her? Um, Who would you play then? Brighton, Williamson together? Yeah, because we haven't seen that yet. So I think I think Millie Bright, Leah Williamson. Leah's definitely given Hegarisa something to think about today. I really think so. Okay, so it is job done. Team GB through to the quarterfinals of this women's football tournament at the Olympics. Let's discuss the other game in the group. And we'll sum this one up, ladies. Um, Canada versus Chile. 2-1 to Canada. Nearly a hat-trick for Janine Becky. She got a brace, basically. Uh, she missed a pen, which meant that uh, that it wasn't a round free. Um so it was a better performance from Janine Becky. And here's a little note to mention. Uh, penalty to Chile. Uh, that meant that they scored their first ever Olympic gold. Of course, they are debutantes uh, to this tournament. Karen Araya with the goal. So 2-1 to Canada. Lindsay, your thoughts on this one? So from the parts that I saw, I haven't seen the whole um, match of this. I was dipping in and out. But what I would say is that I felt Chile... They didn't sit back at all. They didn't They didn't let Canada dominate this game. I thought Chile did really hold their own. I thought they did really well. There were a couple of things that caught my eye, like the um, audacious backheel nutmeg from Christine Sinclair. Like, is there anything this woman cannot do? Um, that was a moment. I think we'll see that clipped up. It might be going around on social media and people can check that out themselves uh, to see what I'm talking about. But yeah, I, I think Canada had too much for Chile. But have we seen Canada at their full flowing best yet? I don't think we have. We did question in the last show where the goals would come from. And obviously Janine Becky is an option and she needs to remain that option because there is a concern and not just amongst us here, but over with Canada fans as well about where the goals come from. OK, well, let's look at the next games in this group E. Japan take on Chile at midday, same time for Canada versus Team GB. Uh, we were worried that Japan would be our biggest test. But do you think Canada are going to be trickier than Japan from what we know of them so far, Chloe? Um, I think it's going to be difficult, a difficult one to call. Um, but at the same time, I think now that we've actually secured the spot into into the next stages, I think there'll be a bit of confidence about Team GB now that, you know, the pressure's off. Um, so we can start to have a look at maybe being a little bit more creative, trying out some new players, giving some of the younger players some more minutes. So I don't think it'll be too much of a challenge. And I think they might actually start to enjoy the game. Japan need to secure a win if they're to automatically qualify through for the quarterfinals. And so do Canada. They both sit on the same points in that Group E table. Canada's challenge is more difficult against GB, isn't it? So Canada are really going to have to take it to Team GB to be assured of their place in the quarterfinals. Just a quick reminder uh, for listeners that two of the three third place teams will be making it through. And remember... Bev Priestman, she knows Remember a lot Bev. of this team. Yes, okay. Well, let's move on to what is by far the most competitive group in the tournament. And it's the one that got off to an absolute flyer on Wednesday. Group G. You're listening to the Offside Rule Olympics edition. Grab yourself an athletic subscription for 33% off by heading to theathletic.com 
forward slash offside. Super Sam Kerr pushed Sweden to their limit, but uh, the highlighters eventually held firm. That's a reference to their strip, by the way, uh, to claim a 4-2 win and remain top of this group, Group G. Um, Interestingly, the commentary was the cycling road race for the first 15 minutes of this game this morning. So you thought your head was already a mess. That was thoroughly confusing. Um, So let's talk about this game then. And actually not too unevenly matched, considering what we've seen from Sweden so far, not too unevenly matched. Uh, And uh, Australia going 2-1 up at one point, two goals for Sam Kerr. They did sort of fall apart a little bit, though. How do you round it up, Linz? Um, I think there was a turning point in the game. I think Australia actually had their moments here. And they potentially, if they'd have they'd have scored that penalty kick that Sam Kerr then would have been on for a hat-trick, wouldn't she? That might have completely changed the outcome of this, but I do feel like the momentum then shifted to Sweden after that. Um, Sam Kerr, my my thoughts on her as a player at the minute are she's so strong in the air, so strong with headers, scoring headers. And I think sometimes it is about thinking time, but sometimes with the ball at her feet, when she has got a moment or two to deliberate, she often makes the wrong choice. Um, And I wondered as a goalkeeper, actually, if we switch this round for you, Chloe, Lindahl, are you thinking, oh, Sam Kerr's got some thinking time here and this is a chance for me now? I mean, it was a brilliant, brilliant save. So we shouldn't take too much away from Kerr, I don't think. I think Lindahl's a very experienced keeper. And I think in situations where there's a penalty, I think the onus is always on the striker to to put that in the back of the net. I mean, they should be doing that 100% of the time. But I mean, credit to Lindahl. I mean, when you have a look at that penalty, she's obviously taken a bit of a gamble. She's gone one way and it's ended up going fairly central and she's just about caught the, the ball with the edge of her foot. And and that's essentially what it's about. It's about spreading your, yourself to be as big as you can in the net and, and hoping that it hits a part of your body and it, it doesn't go in. And you know, credit to her, she's executed that, the sort of strategy for that penalty perfectly. She was key for me in this game, uh, Lindahl. She denied Australia again late on. Uh, we did see what we now know is kind of classic Sweden with these lovely crosses, great Jakobsen cross um, for Rolfo for Sweden's first goal. Um, Lena Hertig with a goal as well. Rolfo with another one. Um, there was a Blackstenius goal to Aslani with the assist on that one. Interestingly, Blackstenius was... Uh, the recipient of a pretty bad tackle from Alana Kennedy. Um, she didn't start the game, Blackstonius, but she had to go off. So uh, I don't know what the latest is on that, um, but one to have a little look out for. I wonder if the Aussies were helped by the Japanese stadium announcer early on, who got into the swing of things by shouting Aussie, 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 oi, 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 around the empty stadium. <laughs> who too? Who too? Who are you saying that to? In Japan as well. <laughs> so I think ultimately, Sweden, Sweden's class, I am going to call it class because they're a very classy outfit. Sweden's class stood out in this one, but for a certain period period of the game, certainly up to the point where it was 2-2, Australia gave a decent performance. They just didn't have enough in them to see it the whole way through. Well, Lindsay managed to speak to Swedish journalist Frida Fagland, who was at the game. Frida Fagerland is a Swedish journalist out in Tokyo. Uh, first of all, Frida, how is it out there for you and have you been enjoying the tournament so far? Um, yeah, I've been enjoying it quite a lot, actually. I mean, it was quite, um, yeah, obviously a weird feeling when you arrived and, you know, all the security and the restrictions, uh, social distancing, uh, wearing a face mask everywhere. I know in the UK we're quite used to wearing a face mask, but not 
not outdoors, uh, but here we have to do that. So yeah, it's been quite, quite weird. Um, but I have to say, I'm quite surprised that it's still working pretty well, I must say. You've managed to witness two Sweden wins now. Um, I don't know whether anything will top the opening match for you, but what were your thoughts on this victory over Australia? Um, well, I think it was quite underwhelming in terms of, obviously, the game against the USA. That was absolutely amazing. It's probably the best game a Swedish team has ever done to be honest um and the game against australia like for 60 minutes they weren't really playing that well i thought australia they were pressing very aggressively and sweden almost looked a bit shaky to be honest like they were yeah i don't know they were slightly um yeah slightly underperforming not really um moving as much as, as they had to because Australia is a very well-organized team. Uh, but in the end, I mean, they have so much individual quality. So um, it turned out well anyway, and it is a very strong team. But I definitely think that they learned a lot today um, that they will have to take with them um, when there's tougher opponents. It is really difficult to pick holes with them because obviously they've got off to such a brilliant start. If you are going to pick on anything, it might be the two goals that they conceded in this. Um, Ericsson back in the side. Defensively, are there some doubts? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is quite the wake-up call. I mean, the defence was superb against USA, but today was quite shaky. Um, obviously, Sam Kerr is a brilliant striker and target player. Uh, but you could just tell that everyone was a bit confused, like they lacked a bit of communication. And the weird thing is, when they played USA in a friendly, maybe two months ago, I think it was, um, they played with three different centre-backs. Like they, they had Magdalena, who who was out in, in the opening game, and then they also had Nila Fischer and Linda Sembrandt. Uh, two very, very experienced centre-backs um, and they're both out so not, they, they didn't come with the rest of the team uh, to the Olympics and obviously these centre-backs, like Magda is obviously well, well experienced but she hasn't played that much with Amanda Illestet so that could potentially be a worry. Like I said, I think they played very well. Um, like, yeah, I mean, I, I thought Amanda Ilesa were really good, was really good against the USA, but maybe like if if you're going to find something that they really need to work on in the future, uh, I guess it is the the defense. Post match, um, who have you been speaking to, Frida, and what were the takeaways from the press conference? Yeah, I spoke to uh, a bunch of players. I actually spoke to Sam Kerr as well because I thought it was interesting to hear her take on the game and the fact that she was up against Magdalena Eriksson and Jon Andersson, who she she plays with at Chelsea. Um, and she thought Australia were the better team, like, during the first hour. And I actually agree. Um, she missed the penalty uh, as well. And I, I, I think that was actually quite crucial in terms of like the momentum in the game, because it felt like Sweden really knew that they would win after that miss. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I do feel like they, like Swedish players, they're very convinced that they can, they can play on a very high level, and they obviously showed that against the USA. So 
I actually think that they would just learn from this um, and you know they're very well aware that they have so much individual qualities so um, yeah I would say like the atmosphere is very very good this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Sweden at the moment. Well, the other match in Group G involved a bruised USA taking on New Zealand. And you can bet that they were ready to bounce back in style. An emphatic victory uh, for USA, as it turned out, over bottom of the table, New Zealand 6-1, uh, firmly back in charge. And I think one sort of, I don't know whether it's a criticism, Chloe, but the USA were desperate to make amends, perhaps too much so at some stages. There was a couple of comments from our friends at The Athletic um, Steph Yang, I think, said this, that it looked like they were in extra time trying to get a winning goal for a lot of that game. So I don't know how tired they'll be, but ultimately they were definitely back to the USA we all know and love. Oh God, yeah, they're an absolute force. Um, and I think they were probably trying to make amends for the, the previous game. And I think it was such a massive confidence boost for them to come out and, you know, put put six in the back of the net. Um, you know, that, that, that that's massive for them to be able to go into to the next games and kind of redeem themselves, I think, for maybe a missed opportunity to... To, be a, to feel a little bit more confident, I think, at this stage. But, you know, cre credit to them. Um, they, they've gone out, they've gone full power. But I think maybe it's, it's okay to be a little bit yeah. calmer. Well, look, we had four disallowed goals in a row and that tells us what the game plan was, right? Basically throw everyone up top <laughs> as early as possible. But I think that, that also does come with a situation where, you know, if you start to see sort of lots, lots of offsides happening and things like that, I think maybe then you can just play a bit of a calmer strategy. And, you know, patience is sometimes key and that, that delivers more results than, than going full throttle for, for the first 20 minutes, which I think is the US strategy for, for this one. And that strategy also meant that there were two own goals from New Zealand. So New Zealand actually scored three, just two weren't in their own net. No, a few things really changed for USA in this performance. I think the obvious one was the mental attitude going into it. You could see a grit and a determination to get this result come what may, and they had a, a point to prove. Um, I also thought that they New Zealand didn't handle USA's fullbacks very well at all in this match. Um, and that was one thing that I felt Sweden managed to do. They managed to keep them really, really quiet. And what you also need is you need players to be better than they were that their level had dropped against Sweden and they weren't playing at their best and I'm thinking of players like Crystal Dunn who I thought was a lot better in this game and then you also need a player or at least one an individual that sort of takes it onto a new level because they are on fire and the that player in this game was Rose Lavelle she was brilliant and I think once she got a taste for goal and she got her opener in nine minutes she really exposed a lot of space. I couldn't believe how much she managed to create space in the box. Um, and 
you know, do you then level some of that at New Zealand? You cannot give a player like that as much room um, as what as what she got. I think the Horan header as well, the Lindsay Horan header, that that will be, you know, one of their key players that's managed to get on the score sheet. Uh, that will be a confidence builder to get then even more. And it spread it out around the team. And ultimately, it was the result they needed to build and go into the quarterfinals with the confidence and not the setback from Sweden. Yeah, all all different scorers. We obviously mentioned the, the the two own goals for New Zealand, but Kristen Press, Alex Morgan getting on the score sheet. They actually uh, rested uh, Morgan initially. She didn't start. Kristen Press, Sam Mewis, Becky Sauber and, and O'Hara and Lloyd Rapino, Ertz, Davidson and Sonnet were in for this game. So there was a change there from Vlatko and Donofsky. He said at the end, very happy with the result, much uh, of a different outcome than the last game. Uh, we came here into this game with the right mentality and the right approach. So no nonsense uh, from Vlatko there. Um, and I guess it's where they take it next, isn't it? That's the question. So, Linz, I know you want to pick up with this, but we've got nine o'clock kickoff on Tuesday. The USA will play Australia next and Sweden will take on New Zealand. Yeah, and USA... Thankfully for them, they won 6-1 and they can go into this game against Australia feeling like, you know what, we've we've got enough within this squad to be able to turn it on. I feel like there might still be something that Australia can do here. I don't know whether you feel the same, Chloe, but off the back of the performance that they put in, because yes, USA had a great performance, you know, 6-1. But I, I honestly left from the Sweden match with Australia feeling like Australia had something to cling on to there and something that they they can have their own belief that you know they're not going to be pushed over or it's not going to be a rollover absolutely I think there's so much uh, it's going to be a big credit to, to Australia kind of holding off on on um, the USA especially after the game they've just had and the confidence that they would have gained from that um, but it's going to be a tough one it's going to be a really tough one and I think it's going to be a really good battle actually between them um, and the US you know they, they've not been particularly consistent obviously they've come back for the last game with, with the six goals but before before that, you know, that wasn't a great game for them. So it'd be, it'd be interesting now if they can kind of keep a resolute, consistent performance going into the Australia game. Okay, well, Group G for very good group. We're on to Group F next. That's for flipping loads of goals. So Netherlands and Brazil share the spoils in an end-to-end battle, this one, between some of the biggest names in the game. It finished three all, two for Miedemar, Great free kick from Janssen and from Brazil, Dabinia, Marta and Ludmilla all on the score sheet. And you've both identified this as the game of the day. Chloe, explain why. What a game. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, like you said, it was just end to end. Um, you know, you've got some massive, massive names there. Everyone was out to prove a point. And, and uh, now they have secured their um, places in the knockout stages. And I think it's, it, it's rightly so. I mean, they're, they're big names. They're expected to do well in this competition. And to have such a battle this early on in the competition was, was an absolute pleasure to watch. And it was a battle, both sides physical. I maybe argue Brazil a little more physical than Netherlands. And that was part of their game plan. Netherlands weren't afraid to give it back. They weren't. It was a very open game. And I think if you're the defensive coach for either of these sides, you probably have got a lot of work to do this week. (laughs) Um, And that's what made it great. It made it entertaining. They went and uh, went for it. There was no... There was no holding back um, and seeing what the opposition were going to do first. It was making their statement and seeing what the reply would be. We saw counter-attacking goals in this one, one which was absolutely superb move from Brazil. Um, and, I, and I just thought that 
from a neutral point of view, this will be the game that most people will take away. Not only did it have Miedemar scoring two, which means that in the golden boot race, she's Lindsay's, on six can goals. I, can, I, can I just give them a behind the scenes insight here, here? Lindsay Hooper has almost become obsessed by the golden boot race now. Early on as well. So she was on five goals, by the way, after just 63 minutes of football, Miedemar. We'll talk about Banda as well, getting two hat-tricks which has never been done before in in Olympic women's history to the first two matches have six goals from two hat-tricks. And then up pops Miedemar replying again. It's going to be quite the battle, isn't it? I mean, Miedemar is going to go on and win the golden boot. It feels like that already, but six goals. Wow, wow. Let's talk goalkeeping. The Dutch will be upset with this performance. Um, and there'll be question marks about Sari van Vienendaal. She's had a bit of a problematic season at PSV, and there's a suggestion that maybe some of her defenders aren't as confident in her as they should be. I don't know whether that's true or not, but there is a question mark here, isn't there? <laughs> I agree. There are questions to be raised about her, but I think I'd rather talk about the uh, the Barbosa um, goalkeeping situation. Howler. It was. It was. Um, I'm not too sure what went through her head there. Um, obviously, you know, with, with, with Miedemar in the box, um, it's a header. You're expecting her to score, but it, it was such an easy goal to save. She this kind is of Miedemar's second goal. Miedemar's second goal, yeah. And she kind of put her hand up to kind of make a half-hearted attempt at it. But it was a goal that was, was it was fairly savable. I think it was very easily savable. Um, but oh, even if you don't save it, it's where she pushes it, and she pushed it in the net. It um, like an assist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And Miedemar, the first goal, the way she used her body for that was sensational. I don't know, there are, there are many strikers that get to use the, their body the way that Miedemar does. There wasn't much she could do about that one. But in this instance, everyone's going to be pointing at Barbosa for that, aren't they? You have to. Um, I think that's a very sim- simple goalkeeping error. Um, and I, you know, I, I look at that and I, I, I was watching a couple of replays of it. I was thinking, OK, what was going through her head? Did it, was the ball spinning away? Was it, you know, was it really fast paced? And, you know, you can look back at it a thousand times and, and every day you'd be saying, you know, that, that really lack of be. concentration. Potentially. Um, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't that late on in the, in the game. You should still be, you know, very very, very no much in the game. and, and yeah. Chloe Morgan there. <laughs> uh, well, I caught up with Anne-Marie Postma, Dutch journalist, after the game. Okay, so let's connect with Anne-Marie Postma, now Dutch journalist who was following the game. Um, let's get your assessment, first of all, on the draw. Well, I mean, they look better than they did against Zambia. Uh, like the players I just spoke to and the, the coach, they all said, uh, organisation-wise, uh, it was... It was better to play against Brazil uh, than Zambia because, yeah, Brazil is a better team. So it was easier for them. Um, but it's just concerning, you know, I mean, Mirima, she scores a great goal, like so impressive. Um, and all, well, uh, if you look at Lika Martins, she, she made some great moves on the left side. Um, um, we showed that uh, Janse, Dominique Janse, she has a killer free kick. Uh, yeah, so she, she can sub uh, in that way for Sharida Spitzer. Um, it's just concerning how our defense is looking. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. It just blew my mind a little bit and I'm surprised. So I wonder what it is. Um, and of course, we, we I've spoken to Viviana Minima just now, um, to um, Lynn Wilms, the right wing defender. Um, and they all say, like, those are mistakes and we have to move on. But it makes you think, like, is it, because of Sharida Spitz's absence, you know, what, what's happening there? 
It could also be, you know, Brazil forcing those errors. It was a physical game as well. Tell me who you've spoken to after the game, Anne-Marie, and what they've been saying about the performance. I mean, before the tournament started, and, and if you look at the last matches, uh, practice, uh, they practice matches they played, um, we all said that uh, Stephanie van der Gracht, the central defender, and Anik Nouwen, who's moving uh, to Chelsea, well-deserved, um, yeah, they form one of the best defensive couples, I think, at this moment um and then it surprises me that of all those people that they're making such mistakes because it's not nothing like them uh some people say that it has maybe something to do with Sari van Veenendaal that it makes them insecure because uh, Sari van Veenendaal didn't have the best season at PSV when uh, she returned back to the Netherlands um but she did yeah she did make a great effort previous matches uh, and now at the Olympics she's back to her form of the season, which is concerning. So some people say it makes them insecure. And then others say that Sherida Spitze on the center midfield, she played such an important role by coaching everyone, you know, um, by organizing everyone's position and talking to the attackers, talking to the defenders. Yeah, she played such a big role. Uh, so they are really missing her uh, in that aspect. But yeah, if you look at it, I mean, they're personal mistakes. So maybe it's just nerves, you know? I mean, should it make it too big? But now it, it happens to them. And, and yeah, I don't know. Finally, did Miedemar give you any information on her injury? I know she took a knock and she came off, didn't she? But was she able to give you an assessment of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said something. Uh, she said it's her groin, groin muscle. And yeah, she was a bit surprised, but also not because she, she said it's the same muscle that, that hurts uh, more often. It happens more often. And sh she says she's going to be fine if she just takes a rest. Um, they're going to look at the groups tonight to see what the USA did and how the standings are. And, uh, and maybe she'll get a little bit of rest for the next match. But she'll be fine. Yeah. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Okay, well, let's finish up then Group F uh, with an absolutely, I mean, flipping goals, flipping bonkers, by the way. Um, and I say lots of goals because Group F has seen 32 goals in just four games. I have something to add to that. Go on. This is courtesy of Jen O'Neill. It flashed up on my feed, so I've got to give credit where it's due. But there have been 21 goals in Zambia's first two games okay a goal every eight and a half minutes I watched this game early on this morning and I was probably a bit sleep deprived but I was really entertained I don't trust your judgment on it to by be what was after three hours absolutely sleep. bonkers game so China were 3-1 up after 25 minutes Wang Shuang with a hat trick only the Eurosport player decided to have a meltdown and relegated the score back to one all so that didn't help my mental state anyway it was adjusted back again to 3-1 and then Zambia were able to draw level uh, two goals for Barbara Banders' hat-trick and some little Tweety Birds on the touchline, a great goal celebration from Zambia. Then uh, Zambia got another one to take it 4-3. 
Okay, so having been 3-1 down, it went to 4-3 Zambia. And then China managed to win a penalty and it ended up 4-0. It was absolutely nuts. And a great game to look back on if you want to see some crazy football. As entertaining as it was, it was the worst result possible for both both of those teams teams (laughs) to get one point. If one of them could have got all three, they might have gone through in third place. But it's looking less and less likely. Um, That was that was one of the takeaways I felt. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, um, it, I mean, it was, uh, I didn't see too much of the, the game. I've seen some of the highlights, but it was one of those games where you just didn't know what was going to happen next. So it was, it was exciting, at least to say the least. There was a campaign to get Barbara Banded to the WSL, by the way. I feel that she belongs in France. I think she would play brilliantly over in France. But there we go. Uh, we will carry on talking about the brilliant Barbara Bander, I'm sure. We're next up in Group F. Netherlands play China at half past 12 on Tuesday and Brazil take on Zambia. Lindsay, as I've said, you've become obsessed with the golden boot competition. Producer Flo's with us today. You had her looking up all kinds of figures earlier um, when you could have just done it yourself, to be honest. Well, uh, uh, excuse me. Um, I'm just going to say that there's not much needed now to say other than at the top of the charts, it's Barbara Banda and Viv Miedemar tied. It's looking good for Six Miedemar. goals each. Six goals each. And from a Team GB perspective, because that's the, the most important for us, isn't it? Um, as, a, as a trio, we want to know where Ellen White is. She's, she's, she's on three goals and uh, has got a bit of catching up to do. So the clean sheets are brilliant, but from an Ellen White perspective, she'll probably want a hat trick in this next match and she will want to start. So if there is rotation from Hegarisa, don't take Ellen White off. You'll make her angry. All I'll add in on the back of that, Lindsay Hooper, is that one of my faves, Wang Shuang, is above Ellen White in the scoring charts. She's got four in total. Okay, so Tuesday's the next big day. One more day, Lindsay, of us having to cover six games in nearly as many hours. Yeah, um, my brain can recover a yes, little bit. Yeah, uh, the early starts don't help. Uh, we've loved having Chloe Morgan with us today. She's been very patient with us. Mm. We're in quite a hot room now in Peckham Levels in South East London. And Chloe, bless us, wearing quite a cuddly jumper. Yeah, it was a wrong outfit choice for today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's been really lovely to have you join us. Um, pre-season Crystal Palace, quick word on that. What are you working on and what are you aiming for for the season? Has there been anything identified? Yeah, we're back into full flow of, um, of the uh, pre-season training. It's been difficult kind of get, getting back into things and there's a heightened training schedule now and, you know, there's a lot of competition going on in the, uh, in the championship this season. So we're working hard to kind of get fitness levels up and, you know, start working on, on different on different techniques and different strategies for, for this season. So yeah, Best of luck for the new season. Thanks for joining us today on the Offside Rule Olympics edition. Don't forget you can go to at Offside Rule Pod for score updates. You can also find some brilliant Olympics content as well in the women's football at offsiderulepodcast.com you'll get match reports from jesse parker humphreys and we're also doing player analysis and all sorts over there so don't forget to check it out and you can get a subscription to the athletic whilst you're at it 33 percent off at the moment by heading to theathletic.com forward slash offside that works out at just three pounds 33 per month and that gives you access to all their great football content i mentioned that brilliant piece from katie white with all the family and former coach tributes to uh, the Team GB women. And we might even let you in on the Hemp Olympics next week. Yes, yes. Or you can get your subscription to find out about that in advance. Don't forget you get the podcast ad-free as well with a subscription to Cheap as Chipolatas. That's it from us in South East London. We'll be on Zoom next time, hopefully with our heads in a mess for the last time. You've been listening to the Offside Rule Olympics edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Offside Rule by going to at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers at theathletic.com forward slash offside. The Offside Rule Olympics edition is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.